Many of us have now discovered that the world is not what we thought it was, and global events have left many feeling unsettled and even isolated. Karen Holton offers vital services that may be just what you need as she supports your journey into the weird and wonderful. Karen offers awakening support and ascension consultation to support individuals on their journey. For more details, check out her various vital services. Once you find your way through this process, there are many blessings on the other side. Visit Karen's website, KarenHoltonHealthCoach.com to get started today. Welcome back to Beyond Classified. I'm Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Karen Holton. She's an experiencer, educator, channel, guide, and ascension coach. She spent over a decade researching and educating the public about the nefarious global agenda here on Earth. Soon after, she received a spiritual download, and as a result, she switched gears and created the Quantum Health Transformation Program to assist others to heal, evolve, and thrive. Karen, welcome back. How you doing? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for asking. How about you? I'm doing great. I can't complain. Today, we're going to be discussing a very controversial topic, especially now within this community. That is the transgender, transhuman agendas. Uh, there are extremely nefarious agendas at play that are targeting children, the traditional family, and of course, an attempt to alter humans on a biological level, and of course, normalize mental illness. Uh, you have a presentation that will not only get into those aspects, but really give us a better understanding about people that are actually identifying as a different sex than they were born, reasons, and possibly some of the outside influences that could cause this. So looking forward to this. Uh, let's start with a little uh, synopsis about what you'll be presenting today. Well, I'm basically going to present a PDF presentation. In it, I'm going to start with my credentials so that you know that I'm not just making this stuff up, that I do have, you know, the training and the background and the experience to speak to this issue. And also what I'm hoping is once people understand what's going on, perhaps, and this is, again, from my perspective, but what I'm hoping is that it will um, help people to think twice about scapegoating people that are different than us and understanding the reasons why there's like, it just seems like coming out of the woodwork, uh, all, all the all the transgender pronouns and ways of identifying and all, yes. it's just crazy making. And so, you know, I just um, have to say, I'm Charlie hoping... came up with the best saying the other day, gender string theory. Thank you, Charlie Robinson. That is one of the best uh, yeah. phrases I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And it's all completely constructed, uh, Chris. It, yeah. it's, 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 it's completely constructed with a reason. And I'll just say that gender capitalism is an offshoot of disaster capitalism. And I'm hoping y'all know what those things mean. But I'll get into it in, in my presentation, Chris. Right. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, well, let's get into it. I know you have uh, something to pull up on your screen here, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss this, and then uh, we can open it up for some questions after. 
Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love it if people ask questions. And, um, you know, because um, I just want to make sure everybody gets this information. So the presentation is called Sex, Gender and Big Pharma, a presentation by myself. And I want to show you where I learned the information that I'm going to be presenting today. Okay, so I have a bachelor degree with distinction in social work from the University of Victoria back in 2004. Here's a copy of my certification. My education and experience qualify me as a substance use and addiction therapist, a counselor and a holistic lifestyle coach. And I now work with people who are experiencing what, what I would call the awakening process. That's primarily the population that I work with. I also have a diploma in women's studies from North Island College, which is an accredited college. I got that in 2001. And women's studies is an interdisciplinary academic field that explores sociology, psychology, anthropology, media, and history in order to research and critique societal norms of gender, race, class, sexuality, and other social inequality. So you can see I've got extensive training, um, you know, in these areas. And then there's the, my experience. So besides working with a diverse cross section of individuals at AIDS Vancouver Island, or AVI for short, so that was a, a nonprofit organization where I worked as the social worker. I've also enjoyed knowing people of various gender designations since the 1970s. I didn't go out and plan it just happened that I ended up meeting all kinds of people since then. So I've had a lot of background and a lot of experience with the whole transgender movement, really from the inception until today. With over 50 years of sharing in their lives, I've come to appreciate the realities of many transgender individuals. And from 2006 to 2013, I professionally and socially supported individuals who were coming out as transgender people. I served as a companion and coach for one individual who went from being a military man to a legally recognized woman. The process was grueling and I gained important insight into how this process is directed by the psychiatric medical and pharmaceutical industries and more about that later on in my presentation so a big confusion is what's the difference between your sex and your gender many people think it's the same thing and why are these two words used interchangeably so getting right down to uh, the on a genetic biological level the truth is that all humans are one species and one race. We're called the human race. And we are sex and gender neutral at conception. Only when specific hormones are made available or not available in utero are the external or internal genitalia determined, which we designate as male and female. When specific hormones are over or, or under supplied, a person with double X chromosomes, which makes them female, could be born with external genitalia. 
So you could have the chromosomes of so programming you to be a woman, but because of the chemical soup wasn't right uh, in your mother's womb, you could be born with a, with a penis. And someone else with XY chromosomes, which makes the male, could be born with internal genitalia, which we call a vagina. And this is a chemical and a hormonal driven system. So you have your genetics, but you also have that in utero soup that you depend on, um, you know, for you to develop into um, having the male or the female characteristics. So our sex is assigned at birth by a medical professional. And even though our visible genitalia may not match our genetic coding or our DNA, most birth certificates and many legal documents state that our sex is either male or female. So the doctor takes a look at a baby and goes, okay, there's a stem on the old apple. That's a boy. Uh, that's male. Mm. And absence of a stem on the apple is um, we call that female, and that goes on the birth certificate. And it's interesting to see how many legal documents have to show what we have in our pants. It's bizarre. They all gotta know whether we got a penis or a vagina. Well, I want to go back to the previous uh, slide you had for a second. Um, basically, what you're saying with that one is that the the there's hormonal. There could be hormonal imbalances at birth, yes. uh, probably be having to do with too little testosterone or too much estrogen, uh, which yes. could confuse uh, the 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 child. For and this this would actually. Uh, long-term affect the child uh, from this, absolutely. from being born with that? Ab uh, okay. Absolutely. And I'm going to get into more detail on this a little bit later in the presentation. Okay. Do you have any other questions? No, that's it answer? so far. That's it so far. Okay. Okay. Good question. So gender, what's the difference between sex and gender? So your sex is so the doctor looks at you when you're born, notices you have a penis or a vagina, marks it as you being male or female, and that goes on all your legal documents for the rest of your life. So that's male and female, and everyone's pretty clear about that. Gender, though, is another thing completely, and it has nothing to do with our genitalia or our genetics. It describes social and cultural differences rather than biological ones. Gender is also used more broadly to denote a range of identities that do not correspond to the established ideas of male and female. So I'm going to uh, explain a little bit later in this presentation how you know why you know people may not feel they're a good fit with 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 what their genitalia they were born with, and there's lots of reasons. Now I, I want to I wonder to understand about the gender thing a little bit because I'm I've never really heard this before. So you're saying gender the definition the actual definition of gender is something different than that we're misunderstanding. Yes, absolutely. People have, and and it's there's tons of information about the transgender movement. I would call it a movement. It certainly seems like a movement without understanding what these basic terms mean. You can look it up in the dictionary, don't believe me, and do your own research, that's really important. So sex is biological and your gender is social and cultural. That's the big difference. 
Okay. Um, language has been weaponized, and it seems few people look up words to see what they actually mean. In addition, the media and the social media have done a hack job on our understanding of things as they are portrayed by language. So as you know, there's like this huge inversion, Chris, where all the words that the politicians are using, they're using them to have the opposite meaning to what the dictionary or what we understand them to be. So we think they're doing some good things, really, you know, often they're not because words have become just a huge source of um, misunderstanding and confusion. Did I answer your question? Do you have anything else you want to ask? No, that's it. Thank you. Okay. So how were sex and gender viewed historically? I think this is important because I want people to see that there has been uh, a difference between sex and gender historically, even for thousands of years. This is not something that's new. It's just never been um, portrayed in the media like it is today. Globally and in many societies, sex was considered the most important thing. So that would especially um, include like Europe and England and all the colonizing nations. To them, your sex was everything, whether you were male or whether you were female. And they created laws, customs and social norms um, which were formed to split humanity into two different categories with males receiving the privileges and the advantages, and the females were suppressed along with their innate powers. And a lot of us can see that, how um, we've gone from matrilineal to patrilineal, the patriarchy was created, it was constructed, all the rights were stripped away from women, and they were all given to the men. So the only one that mattered in society was the males, and they had the power. Well, I guess unless you were a person of color or a First Nations person or an Aboriginal person, but um, basically I'm now talking about white society, just to be clear. So this system of patrilineal um, uh, was patrilineal as the father was elevated to the head of the family and the family was then bound by legal, social and religious contracts So you see, especially in the Christian religions, there's a huge division between male and female. And, um, you know, they they rely on Bible um, verses and stuff to try to show that it's wrong for a woman to have, um, you know, certain characteristics or it's wrong for a man to have certain characteristics. It's been a tight, tight social control, uh, which is also um, upheld by the legal and the social Um, contracts that we've been sort of born and raised into. And those that strayed from these norms were stigmatized, targeted, driven from society, and even put to death as abominations. And they were deleted from society and church, which ensured strong social control over the population. And this is the basis for, for our intergenerational fear of breaking taboos. Now, you know from your show, Chris, that's what we do, or that's what you do on this show. You break taboos and you bring information into the light. All the forbidden knowledge, and there's tons of it in every single aspect of of our lives that's forbidden and taboo. And so this is where it comes from, you know, fear of going to hell, 
uh, fear of being thrown in jail if you're caught loving someone, say, of your same um, sex, or, um, you know, you'll be totally thrown out of towns and cities and driven off, you know, if you don't follow that status quo, which has been super tight uh, until the last even 50 years. Now it's exploded and it's blowing everyone's mind. And, and, and it's because of lack of information. Do you have any questions before I move on, Chris? Not at this time. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm using... I'm going to use some Canadian history here um, because that's where that's where my training is. And I want to stay within, you know, my experience and my education. So women in Canada, I took um, several courses that um, charted uh, pre-contact to present in Canada, um, you know, um, from the perspective of men, women, First Nations people, immigrants, all the stuff that you don't hear about because... The great white way, uh, or whatever powers that be, are the ones that have created <laughs> history, and it's mostly bullshit. Yeah. But anyway, this is the reality, guys. I want you to get that this is only a hundred years ago, not that long. Okay, women in Canada did not get the vote until 1918. Previously, women here and in many other countries had no rights whatsoever. They could not own land or chattel. They had no rights regarding their children. And it was lawful for a man, and not just lawful, this was part of society and this was what was expected, uh, for a man to beat his wife and his children with an object as long as it was no wider than his thumb. This is in Canadian history, law, law <laughs> history. Wow. This is, the base, this is the basis for that saying rule of thumb. <laughs> a man could all yeah that's where it comes from they could beat you and they should beat you like it was considered normal <laughs> this is this is why societal norms need to be challenged okay and a man could also throw his wife out without possessions or children and she had no recourse so before 1918 we had no rights that's not that long ago so people are all talking about, oh, how the women's liberation movement ruined Canada and stuff. Nay, nay, it changed things. Um, but that's been distorted. Mm. So this led to the suffragette movement and the prohibition of alcohol. And later in our history led to the women's liberation movement and the rise of feminism. That was a response to a very horrible oppression. This is not just because women are thinking they're so great. They basically started with wanting equal rights. Now, the prohibition of alcohol was because the men that went and drinking after work, they spent all their money on booze and prostitutes, and they didn't have money for food and for the basic necessities of the children and their wife at home. So women wanted alcohol banned because their husbands would come home drunk and beat them. And it was a horrible, horrible situation. So I just wanted you to have a little bit of background because this does play into you know why women would want more rights or why women might even want to be men you know like i'll get into that too a little bit later mm. but do you have any questions or comments chris no not right now did, did you know about any of this i did not and this is interesting because yeah. this is canada i mean we always uh 
we have this this uh, distorted perception of Canada, and we always have. It's it's changing uh, as of late because we're getting glimpses of uh, how the uh, the rulers and and um, people in in charge in government are really uh, handling things. So it is interesting for sure. Or mishandling things. Yeah, yeah. mishandling yeah. things. Yeah. So uh, I sorry, I didn't mean to correct you. I was just throwing in my own. No, you're, you're fine. So how else was sex and gender viewed historically? In some Eastern and Aboriginal societies, things were quite different. Rather than recognizing the man as the most important person in the family and society, the community as a whole was the focal point of power. And one example is in India, they recognize a separate class of people called the Hira or Hira, and they don't identify as, um, as the sex that they were born with. These people form their own communities and fictitious families. This has been going on for thousands of years in India. They have a place in society as shaman, and they perform sacred ritual and other sacred services to the mainstream community at large. So rather than seeing them as abominations and driving them off and creating you know, social uh, norms, what they've done is said, okay, we have these people, let them do their thing. And let's um, their, the part that they can play in our society, because everyone contributes to society, is a shaman and to do sacred rituals. So that is, they're paid for their services and that's their job and they have their communities and everybody just kind of lives and lets live. And another example is the First Nations people of Canada. I would uh, I would also just throw out here, I didn't put it in, uh, in written form, but I would say everything except for the West Coast. So everything west of the Rocky Mountains was a little bit different than the rest of Canada. But for the majority of Canada, um, the First Nations people, historically, they recognized matrilineal societies. And this is probably true for a lot of the American Aboriginal people as well. And so you may not know who your father was, but you always knew who your mother was. And although the women did most of the childcare and domestic duties and men went away to hunt and war, individuals had the choice to follow whichever gender role they felt most comfortable with. So there was a freedom to choose the gender role that you were most comfortable with. You want to stay home and help look after the kids and make do all the chores, that was okay. The thing that was more important than the sexual division of labor was the fact that everyone played a part in supporting the health, the sustenance, and the protection of the community. That was what was important. A strong, cohesive community was recognized as the most important thing, and everyone had chores and jobs to do that contributed to the health and the harmony. And they did not take well to the encroaching ways of church and state, meaning colonization. It was completely foreign and screwy to them, as, as it kind of is to us in retrospect. So there's are two examples of people who for thousands and thousands of years experienced what we would consider transgendered members of society. And rather than throw them away, they were just a useful and productive part of society. Nobody really cared. 
<clears throat> and also, it might surprise you to know that most of what we describe or think of as typically male or female behavior and ability is culturally constructed. And it's often dictated by the fancy of the ruling class and religion. I'm going to give you a little uh, example of that. Have you, Most of your viewers are probably familiar with Tartaria. There's all mm. kinds of really old vintage film clips and pictures of these amazing, amazing cities and, and statues and buildings that we just can hardly fathom today. And... Uh, and yet the women are all wearing corsets. So who decided that a woman should have to wear a corset? <laughs> wearing a corset prevents you from breathing, digesting, developing your children properly. It's a pretty horrible thing to do. But that was dictated by the ruling class as what if you wanted to fit in, you had to wear a whalebone corset. Another example is more modern, where women are expected if they want to look a certain, you know, if they want to have a certain status or respectability or get certain jobs, like being a news anchor person, um, they have to wear high heels and short skirts. You don't see any of the guys having to wear that shit. Hmm. And, you know, even if you have no transgender inclinations whatsoever, try walking around in high heels. So these are all ways, it's like Chinese foot binding. These are all ways to suppress what I call the divine feminine and to keep women down. So if you want to know why women are angry and ornery and wanting their rights, it's because we're fed up with this bullshit. And it is bullshit. It doesn't make you a good or a bad person. Anyway, sorry about my tangent. Just being able to own your own home or, or be able to keep your children. If your husband got pissed off at you back in the day, they just throw you out. You would never see your children again. You would never have any possessions. And so then you would generally be forced to go into factory work or uh, indentured service. Like it was horrible. It was horrible. And I haven't even gotten into it. Uh, I'm not even going to cover infanticide. Canada has a rich, rich history of infanticide, not just about uh, uh, regarding Aboriginal people, but also everybody who wasn't an elite. Anyway, we'll get into that another time. So um, basically, it's the ruling class and religion who decide how we should dress, what's a male, what's male behavior, what's female behavior. And, and, and some of that, and maybe most of that is complete bullshit. It has, it has little to do with biology. And when we realize that our socialization and our programming is no longer of benefit to us, it begins to disintegrate, revealing our true nature and our authentic selves. That's the thing that's important. The quality of human being that we are and what we bring to the table. Not whether we're wearing fucking high heels and short skirts and makeup. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if you're really comfortable with it. Mm. Personally, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Besides, makeup's totally toxic, but that's another story. Okay. I could come on here and do so many different presentations. But anyway, we'll stick to this. Mm. So sometimes this leads to our self-identification as a transgender person. When we become our authentic selves, and we start to realize maybe we don't fit our sexual designation as a hardline female or a hardline male. And we soon realize that we are part of a gender continuum and that we all have both male and female qualities. And there's nothing wrong with that. Excuse me. 
So more recently, we have the freedom to adopt the human attributes which we wish to strengthen and can choose to let go of the attributes that no longer serve us. This is your life and only you can decide how to be. All genders have male and female energy. So regardless of what you got in your pants or what kind of gender you identify with, we all as human beings carry male and female energy. Female energy governs the left side of the body and male energy governs the right. Do your own research. Female and male energy is called yin and yang. And although the yin yang symbol appears to be binary, it's actually spinning fast enough to blend both sides into one. A balance is vital for health as recognized for centuries by many Asian cultures. So I'm sure this is not new to you, Chris. Uh, almost everybody knows about yin and yang. Well, that's mm. that's what it's referring to. It's the energy in our body that's male and female. So let's get into gender identity now. If we feel at our best with one or the other extreme of sexual designation, which is male or female, and this matches our genitalia, then we're located at one of the two poles on a gender nubby ball. And the midpoint would be the equator. It could represent androgyny. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I have a program, a free program called Quantum Health Transformation. And step nine teaches you how to use a nubby ball as an analytical tool. So um, all things can be analyzed as a nubby ball. And there are infinite possibilities of where our authentic selves and gender identity may be located on a nubby ball. Most of us fall somewhere between the two poles of extreme. And realizing this gives us enormous freedom to express as the unique individuals we truly are and not as gender stereotypes. So um, looking at the little ball, I've got female would be the like the north point, top point. Male would be the bottom point. That would mean if you've got the genetics that match your genitalia, that matches your disposition. And actually very few people will actually, if they're being honest, fall into that one point or the other. When we get honest with ourselves, we can see all kinds of qualities we have that could be viewed as masculine or feminine. And so most of us are going to be around the equator of a nubby ball, all kinds of different ways that we are self-interpreting and what makes us feel good about ourselves and comfortable. So here's the dictionary uh, definition of transgender. It's actually an adjective. And it says transgender is a catch-all term used to describe people who do not fit the strict polar dichotomy of male and female. One of the things that's happening with the awakening is we're realizing instead of it being up or down, black or white, big or small, we're, we're stepping out of that dichotomy consciousness. And we're starting to realize that there's actually up and down, everything in between black and white and every shade of gray you know, big and small and everything in between. Um, that it's a, it's, it's a continuum and gender falls in the same um, way as, as, uh, as being on a continuum. So um, this designation includes so many different ways of being 
um, talking about being a transgender individual. This designation includes so many different ways of being that it's beyond the scope of this presentation. But I will get into a few uh, just uh, to try to clarify, hopefully not making the water more muddy. So I recommend that people do their own research if this topic interests them. There's plenty of information out there regarding gender diversity, tons and tons of information. But be careful of uh, you know, what you read because there's a heavy, heavy programming propaganda thing going on too right now. So, you know, let your internal guidance system sort of direct you as to what you want to believe or not believe. So those on the gender continuum who wish to alter or disguise the appearance of their primary and secondary sex characteristics, along with behavior, either temporarily or permanently, are transsexual. Transsexual lifestyles may include cross-dresser, drag king, drag queen, transvestite, and fetish. So let me just kind of unpack that. It's a lot of information in one little paragraph. So your primary sex characteristics is what you have in your diaper when you're born, okay? Whether you have a penis or a vagina, that is your primary sex uh, characteristic. But you don't have any other when you're children because you're innocent and you're not um, at a developmental stage yet where you would even think about those things. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, once we reach puberty, then we get what they call the secondary sex characteristics, which might be facial hair, you know, for a, for a man or a male, um, you know, uh, we have our periods if we're female, all of the, we grow breasts, all those things only happen after puberty. And, and, and by the way, it's interesting to note that back when the women were getting the vote, Women didn't get their periods until they were 18 or 19. This thing today where, where children 8, 12 years old are getting their periods, that's never happened before. And later on in the presentation, I'll, I'll talk about maybe why that is. And so um, people can um, try to pass as the opposite uh, gender or I should say sexual designation they've been given. Um, for a whole lot of reasons. So I'll just quickly uh, talk about a few of the main ones. So there's cross-dressers. Cross-dressers are people who dress as the opposite sex, but they do it in private and they do it for comfort. So an example might be a man whose mother died and he was very close to his mother and loved her very much. And she always wore pink, pink fuzzy slippers and a pink uh, fuzzy bathrobe. He might wear the same kind of slippers and bathrobe all in pink around the house in private just to feel close to his mom. So that's just a comfort thing. That has nothing to do with gender, really, or sexual orientation or anything like that. It's just for comfort. Then there's drag king and drag queen. So drag queen is a man who dresses as a woman, usually an exaggerated um, um, version of what women are. Or a woman might dress as a man, again, an exaggerated um, um, man, exaggerating their features to look more male. And they do it strictly for entertainment. They don't feel like a drag a queen does not feel like a woman. A drag queen knows he's a man 
and does this amazing theatrical or entertainment show, which is always adult entertainment. It's a little bit like back in the days of Shakespeare, where men played the roles of, of men and women on the stage. It didn't have anything to do with how they viewed themselves or what their orientation was. It was strictly for um, entertainment. And again, it's always been adult oriented and never ever been designed to expose children to this. Then there's transvestite. A transvestite is someone who dresses as the opposite sex and they, they need it in order to get off sexually. And then there's fetish and fetish has to do with adult play and it has to do with the kink community. So actually, none of these lifestyles that I've just described would be actually considered a transgender person where they feel there's some kind of a mismatch within their body uh, to what their chromosomes say or, or the genitalia they have. So right away, people are grouping drag queens and drag kings and transvestites and cross-dressers, everything into this transgender uh, catch-all phrase. And really, it doesn't have really anything to do with the actual essence of being a transgender person, right? I know it's a lot of information to take in. So a transsexual person, though, who wishes to permanently change their gender is commonly called an F to M or female to male or M to F, which is male to female. So now we're crossing over into the transgender realm where people feel they're not a good fit for the sex they've been assigned and they want to go into the what we call the opposite sex and they want that. They want to do it permanently. And usually behavior modification and gender resocialization is required before they give them gender reassignment surgery. So um, generally like the friend that I supported, he had to present as female for two years as dictated by the psychiatric industry before he could proceed on to be a transgender person. Do you have any really? Is this something friends? just in, in Canada that they do, or is that across the board if you're going to go Western through with that? All Western societies. Really? United States, England, France. Oh, yeah. You can't just decide, I want to have sexual reassignment surgery. Unless. Well, yeah, I knew that. Not, I just didn't know to the extent that they would make oh, you, you know, for a certain horrendous. amount of time actually just oh, yeah. behave like a woman. It's absolutely horrendous. So the men, like, for instance, that want to transition to become female, they have to wear something called a gaff. And it's like a G string, except it's super tight. And it compresses their male genitalia up into their body cavity. It's extremely uncomfortable. And oh, it's like yeah. torture. And they have to do that for two years before they can even talk about uh, transitioning on to becoming female. So it's, it's just a brutal, brutal process. Never mind the drugs. Mm. You know, and I'm going to get into that a little bit, little bit later on. Hello, friends. Have you heard of PEMF or Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Technology? I want to tell you a little bit about the Centropics Cloud. The Centropics Cloud is an at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you can protect yourself and optimize your wellness anywhere you go. It supports molecular activation, energy, endurance, 
performance, rapid recovery, mental acuity, stress reduction, sleep management, deep relaxation, and much more. The cloud has the most effective frequency range of any at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you'll experience up to 20,000 amplitudes per second through eight large coils and reach a wider molecular range in the body. Regenerate your batteries and keep your inner vital forces at full speed with the Centropics Cloud. Just visit getthefrequency.com or click the link in the description to take control of your health today. All right. So let's talk about gender confusion. So I want really want to stress this. This is where I get that nowadays and, and like just in the last, I don't know, three, four years, maybe less, uh, has been this um, huge explosion of propaganda around transgender people. But are you aware that many common things affect the location of your genitalia and your gender preference? So again, remember we talked a little bit about when the um, specific hormones and chemicals in utero aren't right, people might be born with different genetics than what, what their body looks like, okay? And so this includes prenatal exposure to androgens. Androgens are found in pesticides and insecticides and herbicides, and they have a direct effect on the, on the developing fetus. And if you're eating GMO foods, that's even worse because a lot of GMO foods have uh, crossed the food item like the wheat with um, Roundup so that they've got their built-in pesticides and insecticides and herbicides. Unfortunately, then, you know, your mom buys the flour and makes a loaf of bread or buys a loaf of bread to make sandwiches. And here she's taking in all these chemicals that are having a direct effect on the fetus, not just on the developing fetus, but even on the genetics. So people are now being born that are usually it's XX female, XY male. People are now being born XYX, XYY, XXX. So we're not only... Um, uh, I think this also serves with the uh, transhumanist agenda, okay? So that people are becoming all kinds of genetics that they never were before. Well, that's going to uh, cause, um, um, that's going to influence how people view themselves, how they feel in, in the, their, the sex they were assigned, or even the genitalia that they're born with. So then toxins are another thing that cause, um, um, these kind of, I'm just going to say abnormalities. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but until recently they, they were considered abnormalities. So toxins like cleaning products and solvents. So then they found out that um, say your dad works as a painter or he works as an auto mechanic and he's cleaning, you know, mechanical parts with solvents. Those affect his sperm. And so his sperm, the DNA that's in the sperm is going to be altered and um, uh, basically contaminated. So when it impregnates the egg, there's going to be genetic abnormalities and developmental abnormalities. Well, no one's talking about this. And yet it's absolutely true. 
If your mother works with a lot of cleaning products or she works in a factory where they handle chemicals and stuff, um, that can affect the DNA in the egg. So then when the sperm and the egg come together, they're not creating human beings as they were 100 years ago. We're getting genetic um, um, adaptations to these toxins that are being introduced, as well as affecting the development of the fetus in utero. And then there's other contaminants. Now, I'm sure a lot of you won't be surprised by this, pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals are synthetic chemicals that our bodies don't know what to do with. That's why people that take a lot of pills, they don't get any better, they get worse. So pharmaceuticals are, when mom takes them when she's pregnant, or even before she gets pregnant, that's affecting the development of the fetus. And also there's inadequate nutrition. So a lot of people are, you know, relying on cheap processed foods, fast foods, these kind of things that also has the same effect. So you can see that this transgender, whole transgender thing is just a massive mess of um, chemicals. All of these are coming from what? Corporations. They're coming from big cor uh, corporations. They're coming from pharma. So you can see here's all the biological influences alone. So sooner or later, there's going to be an explosion of people who don't act, think, and look the way they did 100 years ago. And you're not going to believe this, Chris, but as a result, babies are sometimes born with what we call ambiguous genitalia. It's estimated that one in every 200 births has ambiguous genitalia. What does that mean? You might be born with ovaries and a penis, or you might be born... Um, with a vagina and external testes, you know? And so um, it's the standard medical practice to surgically turn all of these intersex babies into females. And this often results in gender confusion and gender dysphoria. So you might have an XY chromosome that you're male and, but you're somehow, your mom or your dad was exposed to toxins. And so they just gotta whack it all off and turn it all into into females. So you're telling me down the road that isn't going to um, isn't going to those that isn't going to cause some problems. Um, one um, case that we studied in university quite extensively was a set of twins, and one of the twins actually was be they were being circumcised, and one of the twins the circumcision went terribly wrong, and they decided to default that male twin into being a girl. And so they raised him as a girl, everything. And he knew something was wrong. He knew he was supposed to look like his brother. He knew he was supposed to be like his brother, but he was constantly being socialized, socialized to being a little girl and he hated it. And when he got into his teens, he actually took his parents and the medical industry to court so that he could go back to being a boy. But once that penis is lopped off, how are you supposed to get that back? I'll never know. Sorry, I don't mean to be. Yeah, right. Um, irreverent, but I'm just saying it how I see it. Do you have any questions about all this, Chris? 
No, but when when you look at what's going on with uh, the experimental jabs people are getting, there's plenty of evidence that uh, it's causing mass sterilization as well. So that's just something else that we have to worry about for future generations or not future generations if no one's going to be able to have kids anymore. Yeah. So that's a whole different show, though. But yeah. Well, continue. it is, but it's tied in. It's definitely tied in, you know. Yeah. And what about all the women who... Um, got, you know, the oogly boogly jab and they um, ended up having live births. What's going to happen mm. to those children down the road? I have no idea. Right. So um, this is where we get into the problem reaction solution scenario that we're seeing everywhere today. So our toxic environment, the pharmaceutical and the medical industries are creating intersex people and people whose genitalia do not match their genetics and these are the, this is the main cause of gender dysphoria. It's not like they just wake up one day and go, oh, no, I feel like I'm the wrong say. I, you know, I got a vagina, but I really feel like a man. It doesn't work that way. There is reasons for everything. So the problem is that many people are now identifying as transgender, and the media is flooded with images. Some of them are quite grotesque of people who are on the transgender spectrum. So the reaction from people is people are identifying as transgender and they're being diagnosed with gender dysphoria and the general population is in shock from this abrupt change in social norms. I mean, we're just getting used to the whole idea of people being gay. Well, not me personally, but I'm talking as a you know Western society. Right. And then this whole transgender thing landed and has exploded like a bomb, right? Yeah. And you so know, what's the solution? Sorry, for, go ahead. Well, you know, for me, it's not, none of this really affects my life. I could care less if you're gay, straight, transsexual, identify as this, a pot, a pan, a cat, a dog. I don't care. People should be able to live their own lives. What bothers me is the mainstream media and powers that be and everything that I have to watch on TV is trying to force their lifestyle into my life. And not only that, I don't have kids. I'm glad I don't have kids because I wouldn't want them to be subjected to what today's yeah. kids are being subjected to and forced upon. And they've got people that are uh, that are basically from uh, the earliest age grooming children to yeah. to to be a sex that they they weren't born as, or grooming children to be something that the mother and father want them to be, or a sex that or uh, a sexual preference that the mother and father want them to have. It's really disgusting what's going on uh, when you look at that side of it, and that's the side that bothers me. That's that's the side that yeah. I think is the problem right now. I would agree with you, Chris. And after the presentation, let's get into that, because this presentation is basically looking at everybody over 21 years of age. I'm, I, you know, I'm not really putting children in this in in this presentation because it's not natural. I'll tell you, children don't even think about this stuff until they start coming into puberty. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's a it's a huge, huge problem. What I, I'll just come out right out and say it. This is my personal stand is whether you want to have your son circumcised or whether you think your child is transgender, leave them the fuck alone till they're 21 years old and let them decide for themselves right. as adults what they want to do with their body. We yes. don't have a right to hack off the, the end of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, a little boy's penis. That's my opinion. They don't have a right 
to be doing all of this shit. Well, yeah, that's the most disgusting part. These children aren't even developed all the way, and they can't, they're not really capable of making these emotional decisions about the rest of their lives like that. Absolutely not. And it's, and you want to know what I think it is? Like, I want to talk about it more after the presentation. But what I think it is, is those with power are, a lot of them are perverts. Let's just say it. They're mm-hmm. not very smart and they're really maladapted and they're a bunch of fucking perverts. We know that. We yeah. know that. Okay. So now I think they're trying to create a whole class of bizarre and different and transgender children for their sexual fantasies, for their... Well, I um, think it's also about normalization of mental illness. I think that they are trying to make crazy the norm because these individuals are crazy, and if you're not, they consider you to be the crazy one. It's it's insanity what we're seeing right now. Uh, It's upside-down, bizarre world. It totally is. But, you know, every every single one of these different subjects we look at about what's been going on in the last few years, uh, Chris, involves there's a every, we can talk about everything except the child trafficking that's going on. Millions of children every year are being trafficked. And I think that the big push to have all these transgender children is to just feed that industry as well. Anyway, we'll get into that later. So basically the solution that the powers that be come up with, you know, problem, reaction, solution is medical, psychiatric and pharmaceutical intervention. Surgeries and medical appointments and the psychiatrist who who is basically like the priest who decides if you're really transgendered or not and, and, and all this stuff about gender dysphoria. And so pharmaceuticals help to create the problem and the solution because pharmaceuticals, you know how much money they're making off this industry? Billions of dollars. Uh It's just, and then I really want to get into this, which is, (coughs) sorry, I'm just going to need a little drink of water here. Oh, no worries. And I wonder if, if these individuals ever think if, if our society collapses and the, or the grid goes down or we get hit by a meteor and we, ha- we have been sent back to like the 1800s or, or further and we don't have access to modern medicine and the, the, the surgical processes that are being used for gender reassignment surgeries. And what are people going to do then? You know, what, how are they going to get the yeah. medical care they need? Uh, say if, you know, if the grid goes down or we have a, a, a catastrophe. Catastrophe, yeah. and you've just had this surgery. What do you, you know? You might be in a bad position. You are in a bad position even without the grid and everything <laughs> going down. Right, that yeah. would make it definitely worse. So, I want to talk a little bit about gender capitalism as an offshoot of disaster ca- capitalism. So, the new transgender industry relies heavily on the DSM 4, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And the DSM-4 was built upon the DSM-3. And you might be surprised to find out that this manual is not based on any kind of science, experimental evidence, or any established fact. You're not going to believe this is going to blow you away, Chris. Rather, all the information contained in these manuals was simply made up by a small group of privileged white men in 1974 and then they published it in 1980. So I recommend that y'all watch the video by Dr. James Davies. 
He has all the evidence that this is true. The show is part of a platform called The Weekend University. Check it out and learn for yourself. So basically what they did is they took a dozen of these white men who are all uh, psychologists or psychiatrists. And believe me, they don't know what they're doing. It changes all the time. They're in a room and they can't basically uh, get on with their lives until they decide, oh, this is a mental illness. This isn't. And they get tired of, uh, you know, people arguing back and forth and they can't reach consensus. So finally, they just go, yeah, yeah, put it in because, you know, I'm tired and I want to go home and have my, my, my dinner. You know, like, seriously, there was absolutely no science, experimental evidence, or any established fact. And yet people, the, the DSM-3 and the DSM-4, and I guess there's now a revised DSM-4, that is being used to diagnose all kinds of mental illnesses that may or may not be real. As in the case of gender dysphoria, perhaps it's the chemicals, you know? And so this is the thing. Uh, this whole gender thing is making a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money, a lot of psychiatrists and doctors and surgeons and the pharmaceutical industry. And it's all to basically put move money from the common people to, you know, the higher echelons. It's disgusting, but it makes money. It, it increases the gross national product, which is the measure of health for each country. And um, just just like oil spills and everything else. It's all money. They just want to make money off of every aspect of us. We're just a people farm being used. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about gender choices. Um, <clears throat> this is one thing I've noticed that some women explore their gender options in hopes of obtaining the status and the privilege that many men still enjoy today, especially if they're white uh, men, you know, who, who have money. That's that is still the big power play. And a lot of women, you know, kind of similar to the geographical cure, they want the gender cure. They think their life will be better if they become the opposite sex. And a lot of people are just unhappy with their lives and they're making decisions that are going to affect them for the rest of their life. Often uh, the, the medical so-called cure just leaves them in an in a per, ever perpetuated living hell, to be honest with you. But other people know from early adulthood that they prefer to be a gender that's different from their assigned sex, and they don't have a choice. And this is evident by the fact that 70% of men who later transition to the female gender have a history of dangerous, extra-masculine careers as they try to deny their in inner feminine selves. So out of all the adult males who are transitioning to be females, long before they transition, many don't transition till they're in their 40s and 50s. Their backgrounds included military, police, bomb squads, Navy SEALs, SWAT team members, and other jobs that are considered to be very masculine and carry a high risk of danger. So they really fight this process but then at a certain point in their lives, I guess maybe when the testosterone is dies down, you know, when, when men become middle-aged and a little older, um, then they start to decide that they can't fight it anymore. So I would say those are more the more the legitimate transgender people. But again, we don't know if this was actually caused 
by toxins in utero or even before they were conceived. Like it's a big mess. It's really hard to figure well, it all out. There's all also been a long time agenda yeah. on top of agenda to destroy traditional family units. Yep. And another thing I just want to speak to uh, before we move on to the conclusion is that, um, you know, um, when a man uh, is born and he goes through his life and he starts to come into puberty, men work very hard on controlling their urges that come from the testosterone. Testosterone is a very powerful drug. It changes your body. It changes the way you, you think. It changes all kinds of things in you. And so men work their whole lives uh, being conditioned to, you know, not be violent and things like that. So then you put a woman on testosterone, massive doses of testosterone because she wants to be a man. She doesn't have the conditioning that, that teaches her how to control that testosterone. So we see a lot of female cops that are just brutal to people, losing it, uh, spouse abuse, losing it uh, because they don't know how to handle the testosterone. Very dangerous to just pump somebody full of hormones to try to change who they are. Yeah. So in conclusion, your sex is based on the genitalia that you were born with. Your gender is your masculine or feminine interpretation of yourself, regardless of your genitalia. Your discomfort with your assigned sex is called gender dysphoria. Synthetic chemicals in our environment create people with genetically ambiguous DNA or genitalia, which doesn't match their DNA. Transgender issues are medicalized and governed by the pharmaceutical, psychiatric, and medical industries. There is a problem-reaction-solution agenda at play. People of non-binary gender identity have been productive and respected members of many societies throughout history. And transgender has nothing to do with sexual orientation. So whether you identify as straight or transgender, consider doing some energetic male-female integration techniques so that you can expand your awareness of who you really are. You can cast off the gender stereotypes and you can access your full potential. Feel free to create your own unique gender preferences. Mix it up a bit until you find that which fits you and feel free to change this as you evolve. This is a personal choice. Now, if we choose to, we can more fully develop the divine feminine and the divine masculine within, and this adds to the balance of creation. Knowledge is power, and personal knowledge is personal power. Be all that you desire to be and on your own terms. And if you're experiencing gender dysphoria or you would like some support as you sort out who you are, your authentic self, check out my vital services from my website, www.karenboltonhealthcoach.com. And some of the services I have there are awakening support, ascension coaching, shamanic guidance, spiritual emergency, medical regret, health and well-being, and medical cannabis education. And that's the end of that. 
Right. It's quite a lot. It is. And, you know, I can't imagine if, uh, you know, you are a person who has these biological disorders or these hormone imbalances. I can't imagine uh, some of the side effects and the way you you would view your your own reality. They're using this. uh, They're using people like this to push forward agendas of normalization of mental illness, uh, along yeah. with the depopulation and, of course, destroying family units. Uh, yeah. So th- there's nefarious things, and they're using people like this to push forward their agendas. Uh, it's the people that are trying to perpetuate this. It's the parents that are trying to get children to participate in this. It's the, the, the corporations and the media that are trying to infiltrate family units. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty nefarious, some of the things that are going on right now with behind this whole agenda. Oh, I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, what happens if a person is, or even a child, you know, uh, often the parents are influencing them. But if a child, you know, decides it, 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 it wants to dress, a little boy wants to wear mommy's high heels and, and, and dresses, that's a perfectly normal part of development for children. That's play. But if the mother goes, oh, my God, I better take him to the doctor. And the doctor goes, oh, he might have gender dysphoria. I better refer him to a child psychiatrist or psychologist. And the psychiatrist or psychologist is going, oh, yeah, you know, we got to we got to put you on puberty blockers and we got to do all these things. It's insane. Children as young as three years old are 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 um, are being transgenderized for a lack of a better term Hmm. and like i said before uh children should be left to be children and you know from the time they hit puberty till they're an adult they need time to uh unwind and discover who they are and what they like and how many times you change your mind when you're a kid every week you change your mind right and so then once you're 21 your body is not completely developed but pretty close then it's the time that if they want to go and they want to do something, they can. But there's a huge movement against the transgender people um, within that as a category. For instance, those that are medicalized and they believe that you should only go from being male to fully female or from female to fully male and nothing in between, they put themselves as the true transgender people, but there's all kinds of transgender people who are just experimenting with social roles. They don't want to get medicalized. They don't want to be on hormones and puberty. That's all bullshit. It's as much bullshit as the, you know, what is bullshit. It's the same level of bullshit. We're just getting bullshit after bullshit. Pardon me, but you know, sometimes it just drives me up the wall. Well, they they have, they pick and choose what they're going to show you in the mainstream media that represents uh, the trans community, or uh, you know, drag queen hour with children and bringing strippers to 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 elementary schools, uh, whether they're men or women or both. I mean, it is there. Uh, there's a definite attempt to sexualize children at a much younger yes. age too. That's another part of this agenda that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. And even now the schools are teaching, uh, you know, like in kindergarten, giving them homework to go home and masturbate and come back and tell the class about oh, how it God. went for them. Oh, my God. 
like I'll tell you from I'm a granny and it's just freaking me right out I got three-year-old uh granddaughters two of them and uh well, I man I, I'm so glad in so many times you know I, I you know every once in a while I'll say man I wish I had kids but most of the time I'm like no I am so glad I don't because I don't have to worry about what they're being subjected to in mainstream society these days I would definitely a hundred percent be homeschooling my kid if I did have a child for sure and I would definitely recommend all of you in the audience if your child is in a public school please reconsider <laughs> No education is better than bad education yeah. and propaganda and brainwashing and and programming. You know, I actually met a woman and her husband who never sent their kids to school. They never taught them how to read or write, nothing. And I met those kids when they were about maybe six and 12 years old. And I was amazed at their self-confidence, how smart they were. Turned out, I traded an old Xbox uh, system for the young guy to go out and bring me a bunch of firewood. I needed some firewood while I was staying there. And he was so happy and it taught him to read because he had to read what the different people were saying. This is quite a while ago. This is like probably, I don't know, quite a while ago when, when you still had to do the reading on, on the old video games, right? But um, no, they ended up confident, strong, talented. They, they, they never had a problem finding work, like amazing. And if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have believed it. So anyway, yeah, this whole thing with kids is another kettle of fish. And uh, to me, uh, honestly, it's all child abuse. And yeah. in British Columbia, which is in Canada on the West Coast, if you have, say, a 12-year-old child who goes to the counselor at school and says, I'm transgender, whatever, whatever, then whatever happens... Um, the parent, if they don't call the child by the pronoun that the child wants with their new identity, they go to jail. They're actually putting them in jail. And children 12 years old, 11 years old are able to, through the school system, get into this, you know, uh, sexual reassignment surgery. Well, that doesn't come to later, but the hormones mm. and the changing of the pronouns. It's just a big mess. It's just a big well, mess. Let children be children and, and don't mess with anybody until they're off at 21 and, and let them decide what they want to do. Well, for the adults, too, there's also uh, an agenda to intentionally feminize men. And uh, it starts yeah. at a young age. Uh, they don't want strong men that are able to fight back, uh, that are, you know, that have a healthy testosterone and healthy desires. They. They want them weak. They want them to easy, docile, easy to control, and that's what they're they're producing is generations of weaker males, due to everything that we've just been talking about. It's you know, it's not yeah. just what the media and society's been pumping into people. It's chemicals. It's uh, what people are eating. It's the medical industry. There's so many influences that are pushing people to these directions, uh, and it's unfortunately all intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom, uh, she passed away a couple years ago, but my mom, even in her old age, she says to me one day, you know, Karen, World War One took all the best men. And then what was left? World War Two took all the best men. So mm. there's all these families where the children don't have that strong male mm -hmm. uh, influence. And I think that's one of the purposes of war is it really does destroy the family unit.
hundred percent. Hey, leave that alone. Sorry, I got oh, kidding. Oh no, it's a, no worries at all. Sorry. Well, uh, this is, I mean, this is such an important topic, especially right now, like I said, with everything happening. Um, the good news and the good thing that I see is that I don't think people are in as a whole are ready for a lot of the agendas that they're trying to push and force upon us. Yeah, uh, you know, we're definitely not us. ready for, for, for drag queen hour with children. We're definitely not ready for stripper poles in the classrooms and all the crap mm-hmm. that they're trying to force on us right now. And people it's caused people to wake up even faster than they already were waking up. So that is the good thing about everything happening right now is uh, most of the people that especially the ones I know aren't putting up with this crap and they're not just going to no. stand by and let their children uh, be corrupted. Yeah. Even if they do get $2,000 fine, some places, if you don't call someone by the right pronoun, you get oh, a $2,000 fine. It's just insane. Yeah. Just all of it. Madness, the whole world. Madness, madness. I hope you don't think I was being mean to my cat. She's ripping up my green screen. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no worries at all. I, I have uh, I had my, my dog down here that ate a wire in my studio the other day, so I know how the pet thing goes. Well, Karen, this was yeah. uh, this was great. This is fantastic information. Um, for those that are interested in finding out more about you and everything you offer, uh, tell them where they can find you. Okay, you can find me at my website, www.karenholtonhealthcoach.com. Holton has two O's, no E. And also Karen Holton TV um, is what I go by at YouTube, Odyssey, um, um, sorry, Telegram, and probably the links will be below. So yes. yeah, do check out my website. Everything that's on my YouTube channel, my Odyssey channel is also on my website. And there you will find the uh, nine steps to quantum health transformation, which is a completely free um, online course. And actually, my lesson from today was taken from step seven, which gets into uh, male female integration techniques on an energetic level. But I also get into the whole transgender thing, too, because uh, so many people are so confused about it. Great. Thank you so much, Karen. This was fantastic. And of course, we will be talking again soon in the future. Great. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Chris. Of course. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. See y'all then.